welcome to Beautiful Weirdos, the podcast by, for, and about people who are beautifully weird. I'm Fiora, your host, chief weirdo, and self-proclaimed armchair intellectual. Let's get weird, people. Hello, here I have Melissa Elysian. She's actually been a dear friend for many years. She's a life coach now psychedelic healer. She's been training for a while. I'm sure we'll talk about that. And she helps people define and create success on their own terms. And what she has coined this as is sacred success. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you for having me. It's always good to be with you. Yeah, I love I love our conversations. So I'm gonna take a minute, as always, to talk about how I know Melissa and then also why I wanted to have her on the show. So we met many years ago at a at a personal development event in Florida. And then she <laughs> she moved across the country to come train in a body mode anyway, body modality. The reason I share that is because this is the kind of woman who when she gets an inkling, no matter how crazy it might look on paper, when she gets like an inkling of divine guidance, she goes with it. Mm, true story. AKA <laughs> move all the way across the country to a city that like you didn't know much about. You know, you're like, I don't know. If I, don't, I didn't even know what the weather was like. Like, I really <laughs> didn't know. Really knew nothing. You were just like, I'm supposed to be in Portland. Yeah. And so you came and that was a that was a whole chapter. And one of the things that I love about Melissa, she's somebody who having and having being part of her sphere of influence teaches me stuff all the time. And there have been some very poignant moments, but there are lots of little things that you share, particularly on social media, that I'm often like, hmm, I wonder where she got that idea, because I think the way that you move through the world and the way that you encourage people to interact with the world is, is very, very unique. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> and so that's why I wanted to have her. That's why I wanted to have her on the show. Um, I, she does business on her own terms. She really defines quality of life on her own terms. She defines resistance and active activism on her own terms. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about all those things. All the things. Um, and I'm really happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I love that intro. That was like, mm, soul nourishing. Yeah. It's kind of cool, like, when people come on and I get to, like, share things that... Because we so often think these things because it's just, like, our private experience of people. And then they're on here and I'm like, hey. Yeah, no, I'm... This is how I see you. I'm flattered and I I appreciate being seen. So I'd love to start with a question. Yes. What's feeling really precious to you right now in your life? Okay, what feels precious and tender to me right now is rest and nourishment and pleasure as like life-sustaining forces we are I don't even know how many months into this pandemic and I think 18 yeah I think yeah it's almost two years now and so much as like you know just just because the tensions has arrived like everyone's anxiety going up and like just the pressure that that kind of experience builds brings I think has also made it really easy for us to talk about other things that are have been building pressure like race relations like what capitalism is doing in the United States right now as people struggle with the pandemic 
you know, like there's a lot of social issues that are coming up and we're feeling pressed to do something about it in this kind of pressure cooker of, you know, I don't know, subtly fearing for our well-being (laughs) in an acute way for the last 18 months. And what I've learned from all of those things, having to navigate them coming up is like, oh, I just need more rest. Oh, I need more pleasure. Like I cannot survive it. I cannot sustain what I'm doing. I can't make it through it without having reorganized my life, reprioritized these very like, you know, kind of you think they're just going to happen. Rest is just going to happen. And that pleasure and joy are just going to happen. And that's not how it's been. Like I've had to be very intentional about nourishing myself that way. And so what feels tender now is that I see as time passes, I think a lot of people, I'm certainly myself, I was hoping that things would just like get easier over time. And what I'm realizing is like, no, it's just asking me for more rest and more pleasure and more nourishment to sustain what I want to create anyway, what I need to create anyway, right? Like my work doesn't, I need to do my work more now than ever, given what's going on. And I can't, um, it's not that I can't, I don't want to not be able to do it. I want to have the juice. I want to have the creativity. I want to have the genius. I want to have the peace that's required to do my work. And the things that feel tender are like rest, like discipline around, I don't even like the word discipline, but discipline around rest, discipline around pleasure, discipline around joy. Um, those are the things that I'm like, mm, like they feel very sacred right now. They feel like holy and like I need to give them reverence. Yeah. I will have something to say really quick. So obviously like our listeners can't see the gorgeous robe you're wearing, but it is brushing okay. up against your mic just a little bit. Um, so maybe just show me a little bit of that. That's color. exactly. How did you know that was what I was like? Okay, well, just I mean, if it gets what it, yeah, you're an adult. I wish that people could see. <laughs> I was like, let's bring it down a little bit. I'm an adult and I have great taste in women. Oh, that's good. So here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah, better? She's wearing this like beautiful. Yeah, 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 much okay. better. Yeah, Melissa looks gorgeous right now, y'all. Thank you. She's wearing like a velvet crimson road. I highly recommend it. Like <laughs> if you have been living COVID life in sweatpants, I highly recommend that you buy yourself a luxurious robe so that <laughs> you get all of the good feelings of being dressed up without having to do that. And that's what happens. I have days where I'm like, we're yeah. not doing that. We're putting on a luxurious robe and we're going to look elegant all day in our underwear. Amen. <laughs> that's what we're doing today. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll, we'll include a link in the show notes so people can oh, yeah, definitely. get their own robe. Um, yeah, I love, I love what you were I mean, one, one of the things you specialize in too, is like rest as resistance. Mm-hmm. And some of the points you made that are really salient is I think, especially for people that are in their hearts and who are committed to activism and change is we can feel this feeling of like, we're never doing enough. Because, like, the problem is so much bigger than our capacity to influence, you know? And it's interesting. It's like, if we don't build in sustainability, like, we actually can't yeah. create 
change the way we want to. And so if you have to come at it through that angle, then like, by all means, use this as, use that as an excuse. Like, well, you have to rest because then you can't help other people. Mm -hmm. But also just like, it feels like it's radical even, and this is sort of like the premise of the podcast, right? It's like, what if we're not just meant, what if we're not just here to live, but to actually live really well and to like make art with our lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something that I see you embodying and also teaching. Oh, thank you. Yes. In a whole variety of ways. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So first I want to say like that idea of rest as resistance is not, you know, I didn't birth it. It's if you study like black uh, liberation or black feminist theorists that go back quite a couple of decades, they have been preaching this message of like, well, I mean, if you bring it up to today's time, it equals like you're not a robot. (laughs) you're not a Mm -hmm. robot and the systems that are in place that kind of push us into that box of becoming robotic in the way that we live our lives the only way to find freedom from them is not just going to be from like flipping them over or tip you know like (laughs) burning them down it's really actually taking authority over yourself and creating liberation in moments right like We think of liberation and we think of freedom as this like end goal that happens Mm -hmm. in the future and then it's like done. And this idea as rest is resistance is really like calling that future in and saying like, no, you have you have to give yourself that freedom now. Right. And every time you rest instead of turn into a robot, every time you find joy instead of like seeing what else you can squeeze out of yourself. Um, in productivity is you giving yourself that liberation is you creating that freedom in real time and one of my favorite things to remember about that is like it's a process and it's also the moments it's like you collect them and you create it over and over again we don't just like reach the promised land we create the promised land in like accumulations of nows And so rest is resistance because we're like, I'm not a robot. (laughs) I am not made for productivity. I'm not a cog in this machine. Yeah, I'm not a cog in this machine. When the black feminists uh, were writing about it, right, and they're making reference to like literally our bodies being like valued by how much we can produce, like enslaved bodies being measured by what they can produce and it's like it's not really very different than what is going on right now it's all about like how much money can you create how much product can you create how much work can you do and then we've decided that that makes you special and valuable and the rest is resisting that notion that like you're only valuable because you've created you've or produced or whatever Yeah. Well, two things came up as you were talking is like, I've had, and I, you know how like divine intelligence does this where they'll kind of like, uh, like, you know, whatever the algorithm will like feed, when I say algorithm, I mean like divine algorithm will like feed you a few things to kind of like push a lesson home. Mm -hmm. And I've shared about this a little bit in an episode, but like, I've like totally restructured my business because I built a business completely founded on like, how much money can I make? How fast? How fast can I scale to serve more? You know, just this very like productivity based model that totally disregarded like being a human, not just a human, but like a soul human combo that's like actually here to live like quite, 
I believe, right? Like a divine experience. And I've had a lot of people lately be like, oh, you keeping busy? And my response is usually like, uh, as little as possible, actually, <laughs> you know, but, but at first it was, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Right. Like it's like busy equals good. Yeah. I, busy equals happy. I love that you're bringing that up because I've caught myself in the last mm, few months telling people I was busy when I have no business being busy as far as I'm concerned. And so like, I'll respond. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm busy. And I'm like, why are you lying? <laughs> Not because I'm never busy, but I'm like, I don't want to glorify it. I don't want to use it as a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like make it um, the thing that makes it okay for me to not show up. I don't want to preach that gospel. So anytime I use it as an excuse, I'm preaching that gospel because it's this language that people think is valid that I'm busy. So I've caught myself saying yeah. I'm busy and I'm like, why are you doing that? I'm doing that because people mm-hmm. respect that answer. And because I also know that there are people, no offense, even in my like personal life, right? There's just a tendency to like be uncomfortable, I'm going to say, with people resting. Like really, like that, that makes people like there, we, our whole society is kind of in judgment of people who don't create and produce all the time. I would say, and we've internalized that. Right. So that was the other thing that is, I, I took a personal day on Monday. I was exhausted. I had had multiple nights in a row where I hadn't gotten good rest. And so I, I literally spent the whole day in bed. I, uh, I recently bought a Game Boy Color and I was like playing Game Boy, like Pokemon. All like, right. Nostalgic. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> I like watched a show. I read and I spent all day in bed and I... I, instead of feeling guilty 100% of the time or like 90%, I only felt guilty about 10% of the time. That's pretty good. And I was like, oh, that, that makes me like, that's really good. And I'm also like so annoyed mm-hmm. that it feels inherent to feel guilty about resting when like I was, the honest to gosh truth is I was fucking exhausted. Yeah. This is especially right? wild yeah. because we're both entrepreneurs. So I know that this will resonate for you. Like we go into the model of entrepreneurship And everybody's like, you can work when you want and you can be where you want and you can rest when you need to. Time freedom. Yeah, you have time freedom. And it's like, no, if I actually take a day off, like I will be made to feel guilt and shame that the reason why I'm not at some goal is because I like actually did the thing where I gave myself a job and <laughs> didn't have to work every day. Like it, it just like our nervous system is, I, I know I've had that experience. My nervous system is like, um, when are you going to be doing something? Cause I don't know if this is okay. Like it, I have that too. And I feel like 10% is pretty freaking rad. I don't know that I have days where I don't do anything. Yeah. And it's like, I have to like, I have to like uh, be a parent to myself and I'm like, no, you cannot, you, Mm -hmm. you cannot work until you like uh, have had this much rest and this much pleasure. And it's like kind of insane, but I don't like, I don't know the way around it. There is, um, something strong and internally programmed in there that I, I'm still deconstructing around like taking a day off and actually like thoroughly enjoying it without question or judgment Mm -hmm. or doubt or then like spinning yeah uh this this is a lot of the work you do with your clients right well that's like 
it's not all of the work that I do. It's not like it's a lot. It's it's in everything. It's like it doesn't matter what they're working on. Beginning with any goal is like remembering that, first of all, just because you have a goal doesn't mean that where you are is a problem. Like we go into like, mm-hmm. oh, here's my next big goal. And like immediate like. Um, immediately there's something wrong with the now. There's something wrong with the present. And so there's this uh, need for it to happen really quickly and to do everything to make it happen, where in reality it's like, no, like, you're good. Like, what you want is fantastic, but we can't use it as a means by which to judge yourself and to enslave yourself to the goal. Like, we're not going to do that. And so that's where that work comes in. Like, how can how can... Even with your goal, everything that's going on in your life right now feel really, really good. Yeah. I love, I love that too. Cause I mean, this, I think this is like culturally what we're exposed to, but also in our, in our industry, like what I would sort of coin the transformation industry industry is like there, there's a normalization and even like an unspoken expectation to always be in stretch mm-hmm. to always be in improvement always to be always striving. be at your edge yeah and that's not like I I'm like that's why everybody burns out yeah well, not everybody but a lot of people burn out or like everybody's talking about breakdown all the time you know breakdown to breakthrough and I'm like uh, maybe it doesn't <laughs> I, I, I don't know if like that's one way but I don't know if I don't know how much I like believe in that, um, that anymore. And I, I feel like one of the things again, that you like are dedicated to modeling and also teaching and working with people is creating the quality of life now that is so often associated with achieving the goal. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. A thousand percent. So when I was saying earlier, like, how can you love it right now? Here's what, here's what I'll do when I do like a brand new consultation. I ask like someone to rate an aspect of their life that they want to change. And then I'm like, what would make it a 10 like right now? <laughs> like, what would we need to do to make that feel good now? Not like after you finish the thing that you think is going to make life feel really good. Like, what would it, what would it take to create that delicious feeling like immediately? Um, what little things can we do? Cause we're like, cause that constancy of growth, which is freakish, right? We all know that there are things that grow all the time. It's a problem, <laughs> right? Like it's a problem mm-hmm. when things grow all the time and then we require it of ourselves. Usually called the virus. Yeah, it's right. We have a problem with something like set, like, so right now it's an issue. It's an issue. Um, but there's something about the field that we're in. It's like, to sell it, there's this constancy of growth. And so anyone who's paying attention never gets a break from this idea that mm-hmm. they should be growing as if it's not happening all the time anyway. Anyway. Right. Um, but yes, yeah. I, I just like, what's the goal? Cause, and then it's like, oh, you think that it's going to give you all of these miraculous, wonderful feelings. Oh, I have this sneaky cheat way to get what you want. We just do all the feelings now and see what happens (laughs) and see what happens and not wait for the thing. And sometimes the thing is what they want and they get the thing after. And sometimes they realize, oh, I didn't need the thing. And I had been putting this goal as a means to feeling good in my life because I hadn't given myself permission until I achieved, produced, 
a blah, 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 whatever it is that we put in between enjoying our lives now, feeling successful now, um, and, you know, producing, reaching the goal, hitting a line that is going to move, move a moving target to say the least. Mm -hmm. I feel, I think also to what you're capturing is sort of the heart and soul of, of, it feels like, I feel like if sort of like the understanding of manifestation feels like it's gotten a little bit twisted. Like, I think what you're talking about is when they say like act as if, Mm. where it's like, where it's like calling on and generating and like creating the environment where you can be in this like really intimate experience of life, which is what these people are thinking happens on the other side of like the promotion or the finding the partner or the moving to the new city. Um, And what I kind of, or the way that I'm sort of digesting what you're sharing is like, Oh, is tapping into, you know, frequency if we want to get woo, which I'm all about. Um, you're sort of, you're, you're plugging into that channel already. And I think you actually have a really wonderful story about this around your family where you had one idea and then like plugged into the feeling and it showed up a totally different way. Am I remembering that correctly? I mean, maybe I'm not exactly sure what you're meaning. Are you talking about my relationship and yeah, I thought I listened to one of your podcasts. I believe you. I just, my whole life is probably what you're talking about is all (laughs) I'm like, yeah, where you, I, th- I think you were talking oh. about something about like. Go ahead, tell me, just so like, I'm sure. Uh, like wanting the connectivity and intimacy of family, and you kind of had a more like linear way of thinking about it, but you really connected to just like the heart and soul, like the spirit of mm. of that like feeling or that experience, and then it showed up in actually like a very unexpected way. Yeah, and scared the less crap out of me. Way. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> What did I do? <laughs> Look what I created. Yes. Will you talk about it a little Sure. Bit? So when I met my partner that I've been with for four years, so we've been together for four years. He has a son that's 10 years old. If you had asked me before I met him if I was going to have any business raising a 10-year-old at the time who was six, even younger, I, I probably would have told you that that was preposterous, like just insanity. So... We, I met him and I really was feeling very um, unattached to anything happening, but I had already done the inner work of knowing what I had wanted to create as far as connection. And so Mm -hmm. I just like had, I had spent quite a bit of time just like knowing I want this kind of connection. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to have this kind of life, this kind of partner not what I have now, but just like what you're talking about, just the connection I wanted. Right. (laughs) And so this man shows up in my life and I really like, I'm, I kid you not, I'm surprised because I was in this place of kind of manifesting him where I was very unattached and like giving it time and trusting. And it was not one of those situations where it required that it was like, Oh, here you go. And I was like, oh, my goodness, how are you? Are what what's happening? Is this <laughs> what's happening right now? He's like, you seem really like unsure. And I'm like, I am. I wasn't expecting you so soon. Like, I almost want to be like, what are you doing here now? I, I'm sure I have to wait a month or two or three or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In any case, things worked out. 
and things worked out. And then I'm looking at my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what did I create? How did this happen? And then like flashback. And I was like, no, in the months before that happening, you had filled yourself up. You had created all of the kind of connection that you wanted and you were open for more. And now you're living in exactly what you had allowed yourself to receive and were feeling before then. Like I was feeling very connected. I was feeling, I was feeling full. Like I was feeling so full that when he showed up, I was like, what are you doing? Like, it's a little bit like early or something. <laughs> like, I'm good for now. This is weird. <laughs> what are you doing here? Kind of, I could tell it was serious very soon. And I was like, oh, this is like legit. Anyway, I think you asked about that just to speak to like, I did not wait to feel full when he was there. I had already mm-hmm. gotten to this place of kind of fullness before he got there to the point where it was alarming. I was like, oh, look at you. Uh, that's cute. <laughs> and the value of that being like I had set myself up. I was already like well-nourished. I was already open for that in a way that like mm-hmm. even my brain could not even understand. I had energetically already aligned to what I had created. And so my mind was surprised. Mm. But as you could see by me creating it and the life that came from it, I had already aligned myself to it so fully that it just kind of like slid into <laughs> my reality. And the way that I offer that to my clients is like this idea of not waiting for any particular circumstance to give those feelings, to give that fullness, to give the connection, to give the this this idea of success. Like one of the first things that I work on with clients who are like, are wanting this idea of success is like, no, I need you to see where in your life you're successful now and we need to claim it. And this is like now, today, you don't have success when you finish this, you have success now, you created what you have, we we need to acknowledge that that is success and that you're living in it. And from that place, what you create is just is bonus material, right? Then all of a sudden, every new goal is bonus material and you get to be feel good the whole way through instead of waiting till you get to the end of this, whatever it is. And I'm all for having big goals, but the idea of being miserable the whole way through sounds like a nightmare that I know very well and I'm uninterested in <laughs> these days, just not buying it. Yeah. I, I also, I mean, I've just always felt like a, a really sort of intimate relationship to mortality Mm. and I'm like what if what if like you know god forbid something happens no that's real between now and and my two-year goal and like I was like oh well I'll just sacrifice the whole way and then you actually like don't get to quote the payoff yeah I'm like what if what if the journey from a to b gets to be pretty pretty mystical and amazing and rich and fulfilling. Yes. And then also by the time you get to the line, like your whole, you're different. What you want is different. Mm -hmm. The line has moved and it should, you're changed. Um, Mm -hmm. And that should not be a problem. It shouldn't be like a condemnation, but I love what you're saying about time because we don't, I don't think we really, there's something about our culture and death. We're just so busy avoiding it that we can't really take that in. And I just remember being a kid growing up in a Christian like household and it was like, Jesus is coming back at this like later date. So like you should be well behaved and good so that you'll like make it to heaven. And I always remember as a kid just thinking, 
but like, sir, I could die tomorrow and it won't matter that it was like later I would have had to have been living a good life right now. And so everyone's like, well, you want to make sure you're being good because it's like the thing is going to come soon. And I was like, we don't all last that long. Like it's really today, <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. All of the days count. I just bring that reference because it was the first time as a youth, like as a child that I was like, why is everyone thinking that we're going to like have this infinity thing going on? Like if I'm a jerk today, this might be it. I might, my last day might be me being a jerk. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought about that. So I love that you bring that up. Well, well it's like the, uh, because it, when we're trying to avoid death, we lose the connectivity mm-hmm. to life. Yes. Yes. There, and we like lose that preciousness in those moments. You know, I mean, I, Yes. I think you and I are very aligned in like our experience of divinity is in those like mundane moments when like you kind of just like soak in the sound of the wind through the trees. Yes. Which are like it's happening every time you go on your walk. Right. But then this one day you just see the art of it and like the exquisite beauty of it. And then it's like, oh, okay, like this, this is for me, like where that's where I meet my, my sense of God. I love it. Same. I hear you. In my life, like where it comes up for me the most is like this idea of, you know, being a black woman in this country and like fighting for social justice. I don't have this like deep belief. And I say that with, you know, I know there's some judgment in my own experience clouding it. But it's like I don't say that from a place of like, oh, the liberation is going to come in my lifetime. Equality and justice for all is something that I'm going to experience in my life. I I'm clear <laughs> at least, and I would love to be proven wrong, but that that's not how it's going to go. Right. And so all I have is knowing that I can create moments of freedom and liberation and surround myself with people who offer and extend that to me in every moment that I can get, not at this, like, Oh, when we all like when the world finally is acceptance, accepting of everyone and treats everyone good. No, like how do I create those moments and how do I experience them and how do I offer them to people in real time? Because that's what we really have. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. It is though, right? It's like, it's like making the moment a temple. Yes. Agreed. Which like, yeah. you know, makes goals something completely different. Completely different. When you're not waiting for your life to happen because of the goal, it's totally different. It's a gift. It's a challenge. It's 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 art. It's creativity. It's not a burden. It's not play a way to judge yourself. It's not a you're, you're you know it's not a persecution or somebody who decides whether you're good or bad or worthy. It's it's creativity. It's joy. It's it's whatever. It's just like a checkpoint. Yeah, it's whatever universe God told you that was a really great idea to to get into and you're like oh I'm following my bliss it's totally different when you're living in the present mm. um something else that you teach a lot about um and I, I, I it's all it's all very intertwined it's not like these like are like linear compartmentalized things but rest is resistance obviously um And then one of the other things is really like pleasure Mm -hmm. as a guiding, like a very, very trustworthy guiding compass. Now I know for me hearing the word pleasure, like socially it's, it's, it tends to be linked more, I think to like eroticism, but 
and so it took me a long time to to access like what were people meaning like I, I didn't resonate with it that much because I wasn't feeling malnourished mm-hmm. erotically <laughs> um, but I think the way Wonderful. you're using pleasure <laughs> encompasses eroticism but the way that you use pleasure I think is very different than that yes yeah I mean it, it would you talk about that a little absolutely bit? so I love that you brought the word eroticism er, er, yes eroticism too Because, yeah, we could totally be talking about sex or we could be talking about, like, creative energy. We could talk we could be talking about, like, just two things coming together and creating something new. Like for me, the erotic is just my own creative energy. And sometimes what I want to create is sex. And sometimes what I want to create is a painting. (laughs) And sometimes what I want to create is a new coaching program or a podcast episode or whatever. And. If you take the word erotic and you just throw it all over your life, it's like, where are all the places that you want to play and create something new with and like flirt with and like rub up against? Like you can think about it in a way that's not sexual, but it's just like, think about it. Um, What we're doing right now is erotic. We're taking your ideas and your thoughts and we're mixing them with my thoughts and then they're making new ideas. We're bouncing off of each other and Like, that's sexy in a way that has nothing to do with sex, but so enjoyable and entertaining and pleasurable for my brain, right? And hopefully for everyone who listens. So when I talk about pleasure, I'm just talking about the things that, like, freaking delight you and light you up and fill you up. And I talk about pleasure being, like, a path forward, mostly because my upbringing really pointed me in the direction of the idea that like pleasure could not be trusted like you leaning into your pleasure and your desire you have to be careful you can't trust the things that you want like they will guide you to bad behaviors and bad things and what I've learned since then is that no like oh my god the things that light me up and the things that like feel really juicy to me and the things that I want to like rub up against and like make new ideas with are literally my soul just saying, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. Like, this is it. Mm -hmm. That's all that it is. It's like, oh, the way forward is the way that like freaking you're you have a pitter patter in your soul that you need to participate. And that feels like pleasure to me. Right. Like pleasure being all sorts of arrays of delight in my life and, and them showing me the way forward. I had a vision once and I'm going to just get real, you know, all the way woo woo. I had this really beautiful vision once where I was having a conversation with the divine and I like went into that conversation and I felt like all this guilt and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I should be like doing this kind of work in the world and like volunteering to do this thing. And I don't, and I also don't do this other thing that I should do. And I know I should be doing better in the world. And the response was like, Oh no, there's somebody for that. Like basically like, Oh yeah. Like, no, that's like Mary. Mary loves that. So that's her thing. That has nothing to Mm. do with you. You should stay away from that. That's not for you. So don't feel guilty about like, this is not exactly how it went out in my head, but in general, it was basically like, no, the things that you're talking about, there is someone who loves those things and doesn't want to do anything else. And that's for them. And the things Mm. that you love, those are for you. And the things that you love that don't like give back to the community or give back to society, they're 
important for you too, because I need you to be full so that you could show up in love because the more full you are, the more you show up in love. So if it just makes you happy, you should do that because you're happy. And then you go to the store and you're happy with people and you're happy and you're, and you do your work and you're happy with the people that you're working with. And it was just like, put all of that other stuff away that belongs to other folk, mind your business (laughs) and just do what you're being called to do. And that clarity, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Of course, I shouldn't be doing the thing that like I feel guilty to do. I should be doing the thing that I feel lit up to do. I, I, I'm just like at a higher vibration. I'm in love energy when I fill myself up in that way. Of course, of course, I should be following my pleasure. <laughs> of course. Well, it comes with fuel, right? Yeah. Like we talked about sustainability at the top of the call where like those, and I, I've really started to, um, aliveness, like, you know, that bloom of aliveness where like literally like more life force mm-hmm. seems to be like freed inside your body or in your being. So that's sort of how I've been starting to map pleasure for me. Cause like I said before, I was like, well, I'm just, I'm not like feeling sex, sex, Mm -hmm. sexy sex all the time. Right. But the aliveness for me is I can find it really, really easily. And it's, and it has become a really trustworthy guide that that's actually fuel. And that, and that like, if we're doing that, there's always fuel available. And that's where the, the like individualized me is like my, my sort of like unit of oneness Mm -hmm. gets to show up sustainably because I'm doing the things that come with like the fuel built. Yes. Right. The thing, like it just creates a spark. Where'd you get all that? (laughs) It's inside of you (laughs) like for that stuff. Whereas when you're doing things you don't want to, not that we never have to, but it's the totally different kind of vibe. And the more we lean in the direction that you're talking about, like it just sustains itself. Yeah. Well, and, and I also think too, like there's, cause the, the next thing I'm hearing is, is the differentiation between like following, following the aliveness and then collapsing into what's comfortable and like mm. avoiding things that are uncomfortable because like I, I find a lot of aliveness in activism, even though it often makes me really freaking uncomfortable. Mm. But, and, and so maybe it's not the same, like lighthearted, yummy energy but there's like there is like a thickness and a texture and like a compulsion to want to participate in that shift and like a belief and also like seeing the divinity and like the sacredness of that but then there's other causes that like really don't carry that fuel for me yeah or yeah, there's I some you. causes that do and some causes that don't yeah I've, I've, and so I was like trusting that the aliveness isn't going to isolate me from like doing the right thing in a lot of ways right because sometimes I think if you are we can worry that it's like well you know just follow your bliss it's like well then you're you got like self-isolating and escaping from reality and like not actually contributing to I see this in sort of like spiritual escapism, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, if you actually are feeling and you actually are connected and you actually are paying attention, you feel more fueled to participate in shifting the greater fabric because like you're actually connected. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say like, it's so important that you brought that up and that I was And I was going to add like, like, why is it calling you like to be mindful of that, right? It is not always going to listen. The things that like... (laughs) (laughs) the the things that when I say pleasure 
yes, I'm talking about the things that give you joy. And I, and I'm specific about using the word pleasure, because to be honest, in the culture that we are, where you're like, work, 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 produce, 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 pleasure is like low on the list of priorities. I don't think it's on the it's list. It's on the fucking list. <laughs> Unless it looks, unless it looks like a private jet that you can then oh, yes, use yes, to validate all, yes, the shit, all of the money right. you've acquired. I'm sorry, how did I forget? <laughs> but you're right, right? It's not just the things that make you feel good. Like, be mindful of the why you're doing something, right? Like, is it? Are you being called to it? Are you doing it because of shame? That's a problem. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. different. Is shame like the reason why you're getting involved? I assure you, if you go into it because of shame, you're not going to get the result that someone who is going into it for love is going to get. get. Mm. Right? Sorry, poetry snaps for that one. Yeah. And so and and that like reminds me back of like that story that I was telling is like, oh, I'm going to do these things that I feel guilty about doing. Um, versus the things that I do plenty of hard things that I feel really compelled to do, like very compelled mm-hmm. to do. And then after I'm finished being like, I don't know, uh, made tired by those things. Cause sometimes it is hard. I still feel good. Like I still feel goodness that I've created, but also I feel creative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing something. I feel like I'm using my energy. I'm feeling like I use my gifts, but yeah, there's a fine line. We can't just play in the fucking positive. Um, that's annoying. <laughs> I find, as you can hear from my tone of voice, I find it really annoying um, that that some people just want to do what's comfortable. And so when I talk about pleasure, I don't mean to, to avoid the, the like good work, like the good work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I'm really yeah. happy that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, cause I think, I think we're like doing more justice to like the multidimensionality of pleasure. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about this. Well, okay. Maybe that might be a rabbit hole, but um, is that like, <laughs> I I really like that you said, like, it's like goodness can also look like quality, right? Like, there have been times when I've been, like, sobbing in an airport from, like, a grief of losing someone or something, but I feel incredibly connected to my aliveness, Mm -hmm. and there's a, there's, like, a goodness to that, like, a quality to that, a truth and, like, a a richness to that, but, like, obviously, like, I don't feel fucking good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But you you feel alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And like even the that that stress of feeling disconnected is because you're connected. Right. It's because you're awake. It's because you didn't numb mm-hmm. yourself to not having the kind of relationships and the kind of connections that can cause grief. Right. I mean, grief is probably one of the emotions that I like. <laughs> I don't know. Like grief is the kind of emotion that if it was a person, I would still give it a, the side eye. Just like, mm. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. please don't come any closer. Like, cause it's complicated. Not that other things aren't, but it's like, there's something so beautiful about grief. And so like, it really shows you that you're alive and that sometimes mm. you feel like you're dead because you're so connected that disconnect is shattering. Right. So that's why mm. I like, I'd be like, oh, grief. Yeah. Hi. Don't like, don't talk to me too much, but it's only from that like really being alive for grief. Right. So I love that you're using aliveness like Mm. with a just juxtaposition to pleasure 
because yeah, you're not going to always just be able to just pleasure your way out of doing, (laughs) doing life. It's not all pleasurable. Certainly if you're lacking in that department, I dare you to like dive in and like lean in its direction often. But if you think for any, like if there's a slither that you're avoiding life through pleasure, then better to look for aliveness, better to look for connection, better to look for things that make you feel awake. Amazing. Well, that feels like a really solid place to start wrapping up. Um, What would be your favorite way for people to connect with you or follow you? Um, Find me on Instagram at Melissa Elysian. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then also, and I'll add, <laughs> and check out her podcast. Yeah, and check out my podcast, which is going to be getting a lot more fun too, actually. Not that it hasn't been fun, but I haven't been talking a lot about my psychedelic uh, medicine work on the podcast. And mm-hmm. now that's going to change. There's going to be more of that magic in the podcast. Actually, can we talk about that? Yeah, we know. should like, before I go. I'm like, screw it. I'm the boss. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about, and let's talk about it since psychedelics in most places are still under prohibition. Let's talk about it. Just assuming the audience is pretty ignorant about. Absolutely. I always that. do. Um, okay, cool. So let's talk like, what is psychedelic healing? What does it look like? Who's it for? Mm. Give us some, give wow. us a little bit of behind the scenes. What's it? What was it? How did you put it? What does it look like? Who's it for? I want to. Okay. What does it look like? Oh my God. It looks like so many things, but here's what I, here's what I'm going to say that most people don't understand because of what the perspectives in the country generally have been. It's just like bad, bad, right? Like it's bad. It's illegal. It's not good for you. Um, and what what I know to be true from the work that I've been doing, and I'm going to add very legal work that I've been doing <laughs> in many states in the United in in, the, in this country, is that psychedelic medicines have been offering relief for some of the most troubling um, issues and mental illness in ways that pharmaceutical meds just have not been able to touch. Um, and yeah. I, yeah. And so when we think about th- we, things like PTSD, yes, things like I get, terminal illness where people are like going to yes. die. So PTSD, to, right? OCD, anxiety, um, depression, and of course, like, and what you're mentioning, just like having to deal with terminal in- illness, having to deal with just knowing that your life is coming to pass, having to deal with grief. So basically having to deal with life, <laughs> having to deal with being alive, right? And and a lot of people, I think even, I think there's lots of people who don't consider themselves as a person who struggles or deals with mental illness, but we all struggle with grief. Like whether you can get classified with depression because it's been going on for a while or not, we all suffer from times where things are difficult and challenging and might be sad. Like if you lose a person we all understand that that's a normal passage of grief, but it doesn't mean that you don't uh, deserve to have something help you through 
a challenging time. One of my favorite things about psychedelic medicines is that the history of humans using plant medicines to heal and to, I don't know, get sacred, like the name of my podcast, mm-hmm. is it's forever. Like, it's forever. You cannot, like, find cultures that don't have any relation. It's really hard to do that, to find cultures that have no relationship to these medicines. And so in the United States, I'm going to say that we have some fortune because there's medicines like ketamine that are legal and there are medicines like psilocybin that are becoming legal in little, little pockets of places. Um, Like Oregon. Yeah, like Oregon. And it's happening slowly. (laughs) And I just want to offer that. Here's what I will offer. I, you know, before I was a life coach, I was a nurse. I had worked in emergency. I had worked with kids who had cancer. I had worked with mental health. So like adults with psychiatric disorders, children with psychiatric disorders. My first time giving ketamine to somebody who was depressed was just like, I was freaking blown away. I really was like, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what the medicine can do when I got the job. I kind of was like, I'm going to find out real quick whether this works or not. And then Mm. (laughs) I had my first patient and her response was so miraculous that I was just like, oh my gosh, even if this only did this for like a handful of the people who tried it, what a life-saving, miraculous thing that exists. Um, somebody who's already tried multiple medications and is just having their first psychedelic experience, have an experience that like blows their freaking mind. So I think what's important to share is that if you're suffering in any way or shape or form of something that I mentioned, that psychedelic medicine has already been proven in our country, researched for decades to help with these mm-hmm. things. Um like helping people, like literally saving lives for years and years. The reason why it's not popular in mainstream is because of the stigma, the stigma that it has. But I, mm-hmm. I, I like, if you're looking at me, like if I meet a stranger on the street, I don't care that stigma is around. I want you to live. Like, I want you to live well. Mm. I want you to live fully. So I don't really care what everybody thinks. And so since I stopped caring what everybody thinks, <laughs> I started doing this work and like helping people in an amazing way. So part of the work that I do, and even if you work with me as a client, is if you have access to plant medicines and you can have access to ketamine in all 50 states in this country, in Canada, there's lots of places where this is perfectly legal and it's absolutely safe. You know, I mean, I highly recommend figuring out exactly how to do it safely, maybe talking to a doctor or making sure that you're in contact with people who do this work. But you can have some relief and like beautiful, beautiful experiences and opportunities to get in touch with yourself and get in touch with like, I don't know, the whole entire universe. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a real no big deal. Yeah, kind of a big deal, kind of life changing, kind of miraculous. Um, and so if uh, my clients have the access to if they have access to the plant medicines to work through Um, what's coming up for them and to like learn how to create ceremony around taking plant medicines and like setting the kinds of intentions that make for beautiful transformations and then using what these medicines do to our brains which is like freaking amazing like those commercials where they're like this is your brain on drugs and it was like a fried egg no your whole brain freaking lights up and like new neuropathways are created and like 
I don't know if you've tried something and it never worked, this would be a good time to try it again because all of a sudden your brain can do new things. Like I help people to make the most of that, like the fact that their brain is open and willing to be different and new and change and help them like create the life that they want. Um, so that is the work that I'm doing with psychedelic medicine. It's life coaching, but then just like more sacred and more amazing. <laughs> it's really fun. But with like, but with uh, like divine intelligence yeah. floppy disks in the form of mushrooms. Yeah, it's so incredible. <laughs> I have to say that of all of the work I've done, it is the work that humbles me the most. Like I've helped so many people change their lives through coaching. And there's something about working with these plant medicines that like delightfully humbles me every time. Mm. It, it's basically like these medicines are like, Melissa, you're amazing and you have nothing on us. And I love it. Like, I, <laughs> I love it. I just like, I'm, let me, let me just feel that fire. I'm here for, I'm like, I'm here to support. I'm like, it's assistant. That's how I feel about the work that I do with plant medicines. My gosh, I love it. There's a couple things that came up when you're talking. One was a, a great place for people to dip their toes in if they are sort of like, this is maybe the first yeah. time they're hearing about this is, have you read Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind? Um, I haven't actually. It's so funny because I just, I literally this morning was like, I should finish, like I've heard him talk about it a thousand times. I'm like, I should read the book. <laughs> I should just listen yeah. to it. But yes, uh, he's an amazing resource. Somebody that I've um, learned a lot from. Yeah. And just like a super easy audible read. So if anybody's got that like tickle of curiosity, but maybe it feels like big and daunting, that's a really digestible book that like walks, it, it is sort of like framed in the timeline of research. Yes. At least in the U.S. and like why they're like where the stigma came from, mm -hmm. because originally there was like 15, 20 years in which. Yeah. Research was being fine. funded by the, by the government. Yes. Yeah. And then there, and then there was like a privatized campaign to yes, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. So I highly recommend that book. And then the other thing I was going to say is like so many of, I think there's an argument that a lot of our, men, our mental illness is in response to the world that we've manufactured mm -hmm. from like a place of dysfunction. And I think it's Einstein who says like, like the level of consciousness that created the problem Yes. Can't solve the problem, create the solution. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, like the same systems that have created the dysfunction have also tried to provide like the pharmaceuticals. And there are some pharmaceuticals that are, you know, good. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I love that it's like, oh, there's actually something designed by nature that's we've actually we've had this beautiful, like you said, like eternal symbiotic really, relationship yeah. with as like a species. And like, that's the thing that's inviting us out of the dysfunction. Yes. Anyway, they're just they're sort of like a poetry. It is so Yes, absolutely. It's so beautiful. I mean, all of the research shows that these medicines actually make us more likely to connect to the earth. <laughs> Imagine mm. that. Oh. <laughs> right like so cool like you leave experiences just having more wonder and appreciation for nature having more appreciation and connection with other people and yourself like having a sense of being a part of something bigger than you are kind of essential for us to save the belonging yes belonging it's kind of essential for us saving the planet right now is, is how I'm thinking yeah. about it I was like oh these medicines that come from the earth actually remind us who we are and how important we are and how we're a part of this amazing, glorious thing. Like, 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I agree with you. Get into that book. Start looking for sources. Also, really just um, listen as I say this. This is what's happening right now is change, right? It's going to be over the next decade or so, we're going to see changes. I'm already working with offices that are giving psilocybin legally through the FDA, like through FDA approval. So I'm saying that to say, like, if you're suffering with these things, you don't have to wait 10 years for you to figure out how to, to um, Get incorporate this into your life, because not all of them are illegal. Some of them have been being prescribed for the last five decades and only the stigma is keeping you from it. And it's your one precious, beautiful life. It's your one wild and precious life. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you, Melissa. You're very welcome. It's always a pleasure. I'm so glad that we tacked on that additional. Me too. It's very important. (laughs) And also can people reach out to you? Can they DM you on Instagram? Oh yeah, totally. Something they heard. Cool. Oh, a thousand percent. Like (laughs) message me. I'm, I'm like, I'm on a mission. (laughs) I'm on a mission. Totally message me. I will happily point you in whatever directions that I know to point you in. And also, if you want to work with me and these message medicines, I mean, it is my like what I mean, I love personal development. I love coaching. And then I have this glorious, magical (laughs) privilege. I literally like thank the medicines for like choosing me to do this work. I have Mm -hmm. the privilege of like holding space for you and making it so that you understand what's going on so that you can create safe journeys for yourself so that you can make the most of the gifts that the medicine have for you. Yeah. Mm. Message me. Let's talk. <laughs> even if, oh my gosh. even if we don't end up working together, I'm, I am endlessly pointing people in the direction of life. Yeah. Okay. So for the listeners, check the show notes. I'll include Melissa's Instagram. I'll include um, her podcast link. We'll include a link to the beautiful (laughs) velvet robe she's wearing. And and don't hesitate. And also include a link to that Michael Pollan book. But don't hesitate to reach out to Melissa and connect. Um, I think sometimes people don't realize how love, like one of the best things about creating content like this is when people, no, maybe it is the best. I mean, one of the top thing, one of the top best things is when people reach out and like send us messages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know what level of whatever I will be at where it's like no DMs, but that's not where I'm at. I've seen those people who are like no DMs. I'm like, I don't live in that world right now. (laughs) You could totally DM me. All I want to do is have conversations with people and I want to change people's mind about this work. Amazing. Anything else before we sign off, love? Uh, I love you all. That's all. (laughs) That's it. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, you beautiful weirdo. It can be lonely being different, but here at Club Weirdo, that's what brings us together. So if you can take two minutes to subscribe and leave a review, that is the most powerful way that you can help us grow and help more beautiful weirdos like yourself find a place to call home. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay weird.